Welcome to the Fulfillment Project podcast. You have your host, Sarah, and my co-host, Greer. What's up, Greer? Uh, It's good. I see we both got our hair in ponytails today. I know. it's. We have many conversations about (laughs) how long we go without washing our hair. And I know that we're not alone, right, ladies? Like, dry shampoo is a thing because it's a thing. Look, if I could shower once and maintain my cleanliness and the curls in my hair, I would do that. Absolutely. Totally. I'd be totally down for that. And you know also, what? <laughs> yeah. Like if I could go to the gym once and mm-hmm. just maintain all those gains forever and never have to go back, I would also do that too. <laughs> I'm actually going away to a cottage. I'm leaving tomorrow morning um, for the next week with our, our friends, Claudia and Emma. And I'm actually going to be washing my hair tomorrow morning. And I had this conversation with myself of like, Am I really going to wash my hair just to go like lay on a beach for a week? But I am because I am i can't go any longer than this. Yeah. There's a certain point where it's like, okay. Um, anyway, if you want more vulnerability, welcome <laughs> to our, our podcast. We're just going to record our therapy sessions. Well, th- that actually might be happening. That actually, yes. So um, we have Joe on the podcast here today. Joe Arco, my partner, he was on a couple episodes ago. Um, so much valuable information. He is such a great coach. He coaches you, Greer. He has done his magic on me as well. And in this conversation, we're talking about internal and external dialogue and the words that we use and really specifically getting into negative self-talk, which is such a, um, something that's been so prominent in my life. Yeah. Well, me too. My internal critic (laughs) runs rampant a bunch. So I'm really excited to talk about this. And I know he has like some exercises for us to try. He's going to run us through some, some steps and some pointers. So yeah. I'm I'm really excited. Yeah. And I really think this episode is going to be highly, highly practical um, for anyone to gain awareness on the words that they use. Um, words are something that Joe and I have been working on. I'm sure we'll talk about that in the show. And then how, how we reframe that negative self-talk or how we shift it so that um, the thoughts that we have actually empower us instead of disempowering us and blocking us from truly showing up and doing the things we want to do in life, which is all about what this podcast is about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Let's jump in. You are listening to the Fulfillment Project Podcast. My name is Sarah Fennell, your host, fellow sister seeker, and author of Follow the Joy, the book on aligned manifestation. This show is your spot for spiritual and personal development. It's your soft landing into a place for you to embody your truth and reclaim your sovereign power. I've been a coach for more than a decade, helping thousands of people transform their lives. And I'll be sharing the most effective and profound tools to help you step into the most abundant, joyful, and fulfilled version of yourself. I'm so glad we found each other here today. My promise to you is that this show will support you to live from a fully embodied and aligned space so that you can reach your goals, share your gifts with the world, and step into a life that is truly your own. Take my hand, dear sister, and let's jump in. Joe, welcome back to the show. I feel so blessed. This is twice in one month that you are blessing Greer and I and our listeners of coming here on the podcast. So welcome back. Thank you so much. And while you feel blessed, I feel worried because my quota has been met. It might be two more years since I'm back on the show. No, no. We absolutely love the conversation we had with you about the five wounds, which was two episodes ago and great response from the listeners 
and really enjoy your take on how to transform our lives. Like how do we step into that better version of ourselves? How do we remove the limitations that are on us? Um, you know, because I know Joe and I, you and I have been there where we feel stuck in life or we're just in a negative pattern that keeps, you know, recurring. It's like, why does this keep happening? And the work that you do, as you explained on the podcast before, was really helping people relate to their thoughts and their emotions differently. Mm-hmm. And with that also comes relating to your words differently, which is the conversation that we want to have with you here today, which is all about our language, both that internal and that external language that we have. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this. Yes, yes. So how would you how would you segue into this conversation with allowing our, our listeners to understand how important our language is for the life that we're actually creating? I'm assuming your listeners are looking to develop themselves, better themselves in some way, shape, or form. And why not start by the simplest things and just being more aware of the language that we use and how it directs our lives? And in my opinion, our language is more than just the words that we use. Our language provides us with, in my opinion, the instructions to our body. The words are like the codes for our brain. Each word has meaning to us and the meaning we adopt those words, which is personal to everyone, will affect how we think, feel, and behave. What I see is a lot of people not putting a lot of emphasis specifically on using language to their advantage and just be very subconscious with the language they're using and not realizing sometimes that how some of the simplest languaging that we can use could literally become become the hurdles that we put in front of ourselves for no reason whatsoever. Yes, that's great. And you and I, you know, quite a few years back went through this process of really watching our language. And I know you have an exercise here to help our listeners really understand that that power of that languaging and the emotions that it can give you and the state that it can put you in. And so take take, take them through this because I absolutely love this exercise. And I know like when you did it on me for the first time, I was like, whoa, yeah, this totally makes sense. It feels like a magic trick. And for those listening right now, I urge you to do this with someone else, not to see if you're right or wrong or the same, but just to see other people's interpretation because I find that fascinating as well. And the exercise is going to be very simple. Now, ladies, I want you to do this because it's safe for you. And if you're listening to this right now and driving, please don't close your eyes. Just do this with your eyes open. But if you can, play with me for a second. Let's have some fun. and Just close down your eyes. And I want you to imagine a door that's familiar to you. Ladies, do you have a door in mind that's familiar to you? Yes. Good. You're you're both nodding right now. What door do you have in mind? Sarah? Um, Our front door of our house. Good. Greer? Same front door. Great. What I want you guys to do right now is I want you to try opening the door. Just imagine trying to open that door. Good. Now, when you're done, I want you to close the door or step away from the door and go back upstairs, come back. And this time I want you to just open the door. Go ahead and open the door and let me know when you've done that. Yep. It's open. Good. Greer, got that? Yeah. Now I'm going to ask each of you individually, Sarah, what was the difference between your imagination when you tried opening the door compared to just opening the door? Yeah. When I was trying to open the door, I just pictured my hand on the doorknob and 
nothing happening. Like it, it wouldn't open. Okay. Okay. And versus me just like grabbing the doorknob and flinging it open. Okay. Excellent. So there was a difference between the two. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Greer, what was the difference for you? So at first when I tried to open the door, there was like resistance. I couldn't move it. Um, my hand was getting stuck, all of that. And then when you told me to go away, come back and just open it while well, the door just opened. Okay. Now for those listening, I hope you did the same thing. And I'm curious, I'm really curious to see what was the difference for you when in your wildest imaginations, because I'm not here to control what you're thinking. So here's my question to the two of you ladies. Why is it that when left to your own imagination, you made one harder than the other? I didn't say don't open the door. I just said try to. Like try, <laughs> yeah. try to take a walk. Try to do anything. Why did you automatically add resistance to it? Mm. Any, any answers? You both. Now, for the for people listening, you can't see their faces right now. But they're, both like, they're, they're looking stumped like you just got me, Joe. How dare now, you? How dare you? Now, this is what a lot of people don't understand. Every word we use has a meaning or a code to represent that to our body. Now, maybe you're the odd person that trying to open the door and opening the door was just as easy. And there are the people when they say, hey, I'll try to be there, they're there. Well, I'll try to do something, they do something. But if you have this, if you do this exercise and you found there was more resistance by using the word try, next time throughout your week, notice how many times you say try in front of something. And see how much resistance you have to doing it. I'll try to be there on Friday. I'll try to get that done. Because the moment you say try, you're automatically, because we're unconsciously programmed to do this, you'll automatically create more resistance to whatever you're saying you're trying to do. And here's the worst part. Unconsciously, you'll make sure there's you put things in your way to make it harder for you. Because you won't find the easiest way of doing it if you attach the word try to it. We're not designed that way. Or at least you two ladies are not designed that way. And when I was trickeried into this little exercise as well many moons ago, I was like, oh, you little fucker. <laughs> oh, I just got, I, I was just, I was, that's when I started to realize I have to watch every word that I use. My daughter wrote a little letter to me for her graduation, which touched my heart. And in there, she she said in there, and Sarah read this too, is how much of an impact I've had on the words that she uses and how careful she is using certain words now. Because you can feel it. You can see it. And one of the words that Sarah and I used to word, use religiously was, oh, I've got a busy week. Yeah, we really uh, worked on this word a lot. And I feel like it's just so common that people are, are like, oh, I'm so busy. My day is packed. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Oh, just busy. How's your week? Oh, busy, 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 busy. Do the same exercise. So yeah. with that word busy. So is it useful? Is it appropriate? Well, we don't know yet. Test it. For me, I know when I close my eyes and think of something busy, a busy airport, a busy mall, a busy anything, it's crowded in chaos. And there's so much unexpected stuff. That's how I, I represent it. And every time I say it's a busy week, I'll find ways to add chaos to my week just so my little brain is right. And at the end of the week, I'm going, hey, guess what? I was busy. Yeah. Sarah, what were you going to say? 
Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, I, t- I talked about this word in, in my book for anybody who read Follow the Joy and how we really worked on this word a couple of years ago. And I mean, it, it still comes up and it still slips in. But as soon as you have that awareness that, oh, when I use this word, it makes me feel like there is a lot on my plate, that there is chaos. It gives me a sense of anxiety and it's almost this defeating um, feeling before you even get started. Mm-hmm. Also, also, when we went through this process as well, starting to realize like how much conditioning, especially as an entrepreneur, is on us for sh- we should be busy or we need to be busy or we need to be in that hustle culture. And it's so, as Greer said, like it is so common in our society to be like, oh, yeah, busy week. How often mm-hmm. do you hear people say, I have so much space this week and I am going to flow beautifully? Or Sarah, well, even you will say like, I've had a really productive week or I've got a really productive week going on. And it's like, okay, so what does productivity look for you? And what I hear you saying, Joe, and like everything that you've shown us so far is that it's not just about the exact dictionary definition of the word, but how you, how that word is represented to you in terms of what, how you define it and the feeling that you attach to it. And it's such a fun exercise. And, and every word we have is represented to us. So, for example, if I ask you guys to close your eyes and think of a dog, it's very specific. But do you think the three of us will think of the same dog or the same shape, the same size, the same breed? So there's going to be some small, small differences. But we do have a representation as soon as you say that word. Every word we have will have a representation. Try, busy, stick have to, responsible. Every time you say that word and close your eyes, you can get a representation of that word. Get the representation and put a word after it and see how you feel. I have to do this. I get to do this. I'll try to do this. I'm going to do this. And literally sit with the word. I'm afraid to do this. I'm excited to do this. Which one feels expanding? Which one is useful? And which one's appropriate? And if all you have to do is make some small shifts in your words and one just feels better, go with the one that feels better. Yeah. And I also recommend too, you know, if anybody's listening here who really wants to do this, if you have a spouse or someone you live with, like Joe, like the accountability we had for each other was great because (laughs) from a, uh, a conditioned neural pathway perspective, it will come out so automatically because it's been conditioned and because you've been saying it so often and because those emotional responses are just uh, so reactive because of the word. And so when you say it, either you'll catch yourself or I know Joe, like you've caught me many times, especially with the, you'd say to me, like, uh, what, what's on your plate today? I would always Mm. go to the, I have to dot, 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 dot. And you're like, you have to, or you get to, Mm. I was like, Oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) Yes. There's a couple of key words that I found working with some people that are staples that I, that I feel like so many people are using that could be such simple, easy um, switches. I'm not asking to stop saying a word, just switch it with something else. Like it's like, it's like glue. It's like going gluten-free. You want to eat bread, just, you know, you have the gluten-free version of the word. Instead there's of so using many try, other versions. There's so many <laughs> other versions. There's so many other versions we could use that won't cause you any harm. Why not we why not use them? Now we've already talked about the try one. That was a big one. Try is a big word that I see a lot of people use. And going to, I like to use instead. Instead of I'm trying to, I'm going to, or I'll make an effort or anything else besides try. 
don't get mad at me. I've never seen Star Wars, but I get the Yoda thing. Do or do not. There is no try. And it's true. The other one was the busy. So I got a busy week. And I, we like changing that to full and productive. So if, if I really have no more time to talk to people in my week, I'll say, hey, I got a really full week. It makes me feel good. Like I got a full week. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. It doesn't feel like, and if I put any more to it, like another call, it's going to be over full, but it doesn't feel busy. I like using, I have, a, I have a, you know, a productive week or a nice flowing week ahead of me. The I'm sick one is a big one. I got this from an Instagram post. I think John Lennon said it, but it's probably not even John Lennon. Who knows? But the don't tell people you're sick because you're not. You're in the process of healing. Mm. And if you keep saying to yourself, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. Well, of course you're going to say sick. Fool your body. Say, oh, my God, I was sick yesterday. Today I'm healing. I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm, I'm going in the right direction. I'm healing even more today. Even just saying that makes your body feel different. Because the brain does not know the difference between what it's thinking and what it's real. It doesn't know the difference between what you're imagining and what's actually happening. So if you keep telling yourself and imagining these things, it's going to keep showing up because it has to be true. Mm -hmm. The have to we talked about, I have to, I have to, I have to, change that to going to or get to. I used to use this a lot with the kids. Oh, I got to go with the kids today. And it felt like a burden of time. And not because it, it, it was, but just because I used to use those words, I have to go pick up the kids. Now, when I use the word I'm going to or get to, it's the funnest drives I have. I got my podcast on, the windows down. Like it feels energizing. It doesn't feel constraining to me. And the last one, and this is a big one I've used with so many clients that feel the weight of the world, the word responsible. How many things in your life, ladies, do you feel you have a responsibility to? The responsibilities of life, you know, a responsibility to bills and work and everything else. So many. Change, like all of the, all of the now, things. Yeah. Think about the, so right now, and if you're listening, think about something you feel a heavy responsibility to. What I'd like you to do now is change the word to response able. And ask your unconscious mind, are you response able to these things? Am I able to respond to these things? And what I have found with myself and a lot of people is that responsibility seems to be more of a baggage and things that we carry. Response able for a lot of people tends to be more forward. When the event happens, I'm able to respond to it. And so you're not carrying everything all the time. Like I can never let this thing go. When I need to, I can respond to it. And I'm sure there are hundreds of other words we can go on. And I'm hoping the listeners can pour in their examples. Hey, Joe, I hate this word. What can I use instead? Or, hey, Joe, I used to use this one. Now I'm using this. This is just a small, small example. But if you do the door exercise and you notice the difference, you fall in this category. Yeah. As you're talking there, I, I was also reminded of... Um, Dr. Emoto's water experiment. So oh. yeah. So yes, there's, you know, the brain and like oh. your internal representation, but also the vibrations that come off your words. If any, if nobody knows what I'm talking about, go YouTube Dr. Emoto's um, water experiment and you'll see the power of just saying different words. Um, yes. Uh, like hateful words versus loving words and how that water changes in its form. Yes. And I think I don't know how we forgot about bringing that up today. Thank I know you, you're sir. talking and I was just like, ding, light bulb. If you're so 
say some of these words to yourself, negative words, positive words, and almost feel their frequency. Imagine saying the words and listening to it like a song. Does it have a good frequency or poor frequency to it? And you're right. So like all these words that we say either to ourselves or to others or out loud carry a vibration, carry a frequency. No different than right now, the frequency going out for the Wi-Fi and the frequency going out for this podcast and the sound going through the microphones and being recorded. It's just frequency. But the words that we have have this invisible frequency that will affect us and the other people as well. Mm-hmm. There's even been studies and, done and- on... Um- talking to plants and so forth and yes. seeds being grown. Um, I think it's, it's very powerful. I do have a little yellow sticky note in, in the bathroom, Sarah. I don't know if you noticed it. It does have three words on there. When I put my water in there, before I go to sleep, I put that, that on top of my water and uh, the words, the, the, the premise behind it is that the words that are on the sheets are, are going into that water. But you're right. If you, no one has, has, has um, seen Dr. Moda's work, it's fascinating when you realize the power our words have to change the frequency around us or the structures around us. And if, and if someone is like, oh, this is just bullshit. Okay. When someone looks you in the eye and, and they say to you that I love you, can you feel that through your body? And when someone you know says words that just cut you and humiliate you or you know don't show appreciation, can you feel those words in your body? Of course you can. So words have so much meaning that I wish we put more awareness on picking and choosing the best ones that serve us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what you said is so important because I mean, this has huge implications for the internal dialogue that goes on in our heads all the time. And that's a great segue because when we talk about languaging, we're kind of talking about two things right now. The languaging that we say outside, that the other people hear, the languaging that we're saying out loud, and then also sometimes the languaging that we don't hear out loud. Hmm. The voice inside of our head. Wait, I have that a voice self-talk. in my head? self-talk. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yes, you do. We that incessant do. chatter that does not stop. Where should we take this conversation to next when it comes to the negative self-talk or the internal dialogue? Where would you guys like to go with this? I mean, maybe you could let us know some of the most common um, internal criticisms, judgments, and, and harsh words that we often use towards ourselves and we don't even really realize we're, we're doing that. I think the listeners can help us with this. I mean, close, you know what I mean? Just, just think of the last negative thing you said to yourself. You know, whether it's, I'm not good enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not smart enough. I suck. I'm dumb. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. You know, the, I'm sure any of these and, and a thousand more will go through our heads at some point in time. Who am I to put myself out there? They're going to reject me. Uh, I'm not smart enough. I don't have a good enough education. They're better than me. The list can go on and on and on. Um, it could be, you know, harsh criticism. It could be, you know, as simple as just, you know, oh, you suck when you when you made a mistake uh, or you drop something and say, oh, you idiot. And it might even seem kind of playful at the time, but, you know, you are just kind of putting yourself down. And so this negative self-talk can come in and, you know, ranges, so to speak, to, to very hurtful, to just subtle, subtle jabs, almost like in a relationship when you're bickering in a relationship and arguing 
you know, neither one are positive, but there's a little spectrum behind that. And there's, there's bickering that goes on in our head. And sometimes there's those arguments that go on in our head as well. Um, and most of the times these dialogues, like you said, are self-critical, they're judgmental, and they're pretty harsh towards ourselves. Yeah. Why do you think it is that the harshest words we use are the ones we don't voice, but save for ourselves? Probably because we're masochistic and we think in self, and, and honestly, probably in a selfless point of view, would rather hurt ourselves than other people. Mm. We'd rather cut ourselves down than other people. And in fact, it's easy to put ourselves down because we're the only person that will criticize ourselves, not anyone else. If we put someone else down or say it out loud, then we got to deal with other people's comments around that as well. So it's very easy to do. It's it's also natural to do. It's not, it doesn't have to be... You know, taught to us. Uh, um, you know, thinking is not taught. It's thinking just happens. And the question could also be, where does some of this negative self-talk come from? Where is it programmed from? How have we developed that self-talk? And I like to look at this as kind of like just self-talk. Well, not just negative, positive, whatever, but let's just look at this self-talk, this internal dialogue. So when it does come up, because I'm sure there's subtle times where you're like, ah, I fucking did it. I'm awesome today. You know, as subtle as it may be, or you get those dopamine hits, and you do think good things about yourself too. Oh, I just made a great meal. How did I pull that off? That was great. Or that podcast was amazing. I was so nervous for nothing. So we have both. We have both the good and the bad. And when I look at the negative self-talk that commonly we surround ourselves with, I look at negative self-talk as like the check engine light that comes on in your car. It's a warning signal to us. It's a message. And what I like to look at when it comes to self-talk is, well, one, is this true? Is what's being said useful, needed, and true? Or B, is this outdated software? Meaning this, this used to be true at some point. This negative self-talk maybe helped me at some point, but now it doesn't. And determining the two are, are pretty important. Now, I would say most of the time. I'm arbitrarily 90%, 95% of the time, the negative self-talk that we have is outdated software. What I'm saying is negative self-talk sometimes can come, you know, let's say there's immediate danger. Let's say there is, um, you know, let's say if I want to go on stage for the Foo Fighters because they're looking for a drummer. And in the back of my mind, I'm losing my mind going, this is a bad idea. You are not good enough to be on stage with the Foo Fighters. I'd like to acknowledge this voice and go, hmm, perhaps it's right. Perhaps this is saving me from massive embarrassment. <laughs> so I think what it, what's important to understand is, is, is recognize the voice. And there's, there's a couple of steps I'm going to give the listeners to that they can go through. But we need to find out is... Is this internal dialogue right now useful for me? Is it true? Or is this outdated software that needs some updating? And to me, that's the key. Yes. It's not good. It's not bad. Is it useful? Is it appropriate? Stop labeling good, bad, negative, positive. Is it useful? Is it appropriate? That's it. And if it's not useful and not appropriate, then let's change it. Let's update it. I think that's so powerful for people to even know that you can change that. And even having these moments with yourself to stop and ask, especially if if you're feeling self-conscious or you can feel yourself holding yourself back or anxiety or, or not feeling good generally. I know for myself, when I really started like bringing self-awareness as a practice into my life of just asking myself, well, 
what am I thinking right now? Because so much of the time we tune out this voice in our head. Unconsciously, we're hearing it. It's affecting how we're mm. feeling and ultimately affecting how we're behaving. Um, but if we're not recognizing that voice uh, first and foremost, then we don't even know the conversation that that's happening. And uh, I have I have a funny story to share about this. Uh, Joe, as you know, I've taken up playing solitaire, the card game, quite frequently um, <laughs> as I'm like having coffee in the morning or as you're cooking me dinner. I just absolutely love it. And I actually haven't told you this yet, Joe. A couple of weeks ago, I caught myself saying to myself like, oh, you're not going to win this game or like, oh, you're getting the wrong cards or like, oh, this is like already done. And just talking myself out of the game. And I it was this moment of like enlightenment. I felt like the heavens opened up and like a light shined down on me. And I was like, what the hell am I saying to myself? And hadn't even recognized how like anxious and like aggressive I was getting with the game. So then I just started reframing it. So as soon as you can mm -hmm. recognize the voice and Joe, I know you're going to take us through like some awesome yeah. examples. I just thought this story was really powerful to like question the voice in your head. First of all, exactly kind of what you were saying there. And then yeah. looking at can I reframe this or, you know, go through some of the examples that you're uh, saying here? Because so often we're talking ourselves out of things before we've even given ourselves a chance to win, so to say it, whatever it is that we're going after. Of course. Um, let's go through some of the steps to maybe help yes. some people if they, if they have this. Yeah. And as you're listening, bring something up. Let's do this in live time. So think of some negative self-talk or maybe some maybe the common one that you have or something that you, you know, you repeat over and over again. I don't need context. Never do. Um, Greer, do you have a, a phrase that's uh, that you have in mind? I don't need, I don't, I don't, you don't need to share it if, if you don't want to. Yeah. And, and I don't mind okay. sharing. I thought it was okay. the phrase, um, get a grip. A good one. Uh, Sarah, do you have? Um, you need to get this perfect. Okay. Can I ask you a question, Greer? Of course. When it comes, so is this a negative self? So for example, like if I'm about to deadlift and I have this self-talk in my head that I need to get a grip, this is pretty good for me. <laughs> yes, that would be a <laughs> great time to get a, get so, a grip. <laughs> and if I was Aerosmith and I'm releasing an album called Get a Grip, this would also be a really good thing. So the interpretation, I'm curious as to how is this negative to you and in what context? So this would be negative to me in terms of if I feel like um, I'm not performing at my best. If I feel like I'm maybe too emotional, it's like, okay, Greer, just get a grip and go okay. for it. Okay. Now that sounds like it's like a, it serves you though. It serves me, but um, maybe not in the most positive way. It's not okay. like, it's not okay. um, a compassionate get a grip. It's a suck uh, it up. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, and when you're listening, like notice the questions because for me, get a grip. I'm like whatever cool it wouldn't it wouldn't restrict me at all but for you it even sounded like it was getting you to be motivated but the internal representation is this is not the way i want to be motivated not by these words or by this way right yes okay perfect wanted to make sure that this was the right phrase to use in this example i just want to make sure it was a strong enough negative a negative uh, emotion for you mm -hmm. sarah you had the you need to get this perfect perfect okay and for those listening, come up with your quote, whatever's going through your head right now. And we're going to share a couple of steps. And these steps are intended to help you with negative self-talk. Now, before I get into these steps, I do want to say that there could be core issues involved with this. 
There could be unresolved emotions. There could be unresolved traumas. There could be um, other things, uh, you know, causing or maybe coming before the negative self-talk. So the fear comes up first, then the negative self-talk comes up afterwards. But in a lot of common cases, the steps that we're going to use are going to be super helpful for anybody who has these negative self-talks going through their head. So let's go through a couple of these steps. Now, if you're listening, keep track. Are you doing these things? Yes or no? So as we go through, there's nine steps. You don't have to do all nine, but we're going to go through these nine and see and maybe ask yourself going, huh, I've never done that with the voice before. And if there's any of these things on the list that you've never done with your voice before, with this voice in your head before, it's probably why it's never changed. And if we can give you some tools to have that voice change, it won't sound the same in your head. The behaviors start to be different. And hopefully we can kind of neutralize or see if these uh, voices need to be updated and they just don't serve you anymore. So Greer, get a grip. For the love of God, Greer, just get a grip. Sarah, you need to get this perfect. Uh, probably not the way you say it in your head, but we'll get the, get things started just to get those uh, introduced back to you. Now, here's step number one. Acknowledge the voice. Think of a child who wants your attention and you don't give it to it. What does it do? It bothers you. It gets louder and louder and louder until you give it the attention it needs. Treat this voice like the check engine light or the small, the small child looking for your attention. In fact, even give it a name. So ladies, right now, I want you to acknowledge this voice. Thank the voice. Say, I, I hear you. Okay, I hear what you're saying. Get a grip. Got it. You need to get this perfect. Got it. Give this voice a name. Greer, what's the name for this voice? Roger. Roger that. It's a Sarah. Um, Rebecca is the first name that's coming to my head. Perfect. So step number one, acknowledge it. We're not putting it away. Say, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Roger. Now step number two. Hey, Roger. Hey, Rebecca. What's your positive intention for saying this to me? And I'll start, I'll go individually. So Greer, what is Roger's positive intention, positive intention for saying to you, get a grill? Um, yeah. Probably to, to ground me, I would say. Okay. Um, and, we'll, and if you were grounded, what would that give you? A better frame of reference for the situation. Okay. And what would that give you? Um, it would be easier for me to deal with the situation if I didn't make it out to be more than what it was. And if you could deal with the situation the way it needed to be, what would that give you? What kind of feeling would that give you? Um, probably a sense of accomplishment and peace. Okay. So Roger's trying to give you a sense of accomplishment and peace is what Roger's trying to do. The nerve of the guy. <laughs> but perhaps does not know the best way of doing it. Mm -hmm. So before we get to step number three, take a look at Roger for a second. Just say, thank you. I know what your best intention is for me right now. Okay. Okay. Sarah, with Rebecca, you need to get this perfect. What is Rebecca's positive intention for you? Um, so that I apply myself or do my best. Why does it want you to do your best? So that I represent myself well. How would you feel if you represented yourself well? Proud. 
Okay. And if you were proud, what would that give you? Sense of what? Um, peace First or calm, pops up. calm, peace or calmness. Peace, calm, pride. Yeah, definitely. What a, what a, what a bitch Rebecca is, eh? <laughs> How dare you, Rebecca? <laughs> like all she wants is for you to be proud of yourself and some peace and some calm. But just like Roger, I don't know who taught these people how to speak to you, but maybe it's not coming out right. So step one, become aware, acknowledge it, give it a name. Step number two, look for its positive intention. Here's what you'll find. Your dark voice always has a positive intention for you. Mm. If you get to the root, to the root, to the root, to the root, to the value of what it's really trying to give you, it probably has a positive intention for you to keep you safe, to keep you uh, secure, away from danger, to give you peace, to give you all these things. And once we recognize that, we're like, oh, they're not bad people at all in my head that I've been ignoring. They're actually trying to get to the root of something that I really never thought of before. So step one, acknowledge, give it a name. Step number two, look for the positive intention. It shifts our view of this a little bit. Here's step number three. For the, both of, for the both of you, think of this question, whose voice is it that you're hearing right now? So when you hear, get a grip, whose voice is that? Greer. Um, so it's my voice. Okay. Sarah? Same, same. It's my voice. Okay. Next question. Where did you learn it from? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so where did you learn to say, get a grip to yourself, Greer? Uh, probably one of my parents and hey. if not them, uh, maybe a teacher at school. Okay. So we got parents or teachers now teaching you to say this to yourself. Yes. Sarah, who taught you that you need to get this perfect? Even though you're saying it, who taught it to you? Yeah, I'm not sure. sure exactly. I can't see my parents telling me I need to be perfect, but there was definitely a lot of pressure to do well in school. Um, okay. And even on my report cards, many times teachers would say, Sarah needs to apply herself more. So, ah, yeah. Okay. So, so if you're, oh, the, the pressure to show up and perform. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now we know what the positive intention is. And now we're looking for the source. Whose voice is this really? Now, neither one of you said it was actually from me and it started two years ago. When we started tracking this back, it's like, oh, maybe this was learned and taught to me. Now, at one point, it could have been useful for you to have this in the back of your mind. At one point, maybe there was positive intention from your teachers and your parents. They did have positive intention, but they just a shitty way of saying it to us. So once we know step three, whose voice is it? Is it yours? And if it is, where did we learn it from? We go to number four now. Number four is question the validity of the state. So Sarah, question the validity of the statement of you need to get this perfect. Yeah, consciously, I know that perfection does not exist. So what I'm asking of myself is unreasonable. Perfect. Greer, in terms of the having to, now this is where the, it's kind of funny because sometimes you do need to get a grip in a situation. Yeah. Now question the validity of maybe how it's said to you or the feeling it has to you. Is there other things that could be said? Is this maybe a, a phrase that's just, doesn't hold a lot of validity to it. I think it is a phrase that holds validity in proper context in the right Perfect. situation, but Good. all of the time not. And it's maybe a, a harsh way of saying it. 
Okay, so what I don't want to do is is take away those times that you need it. The check engine light needs to come on sometimes and you have to get your car to the station. Yes. Putting a piece of tape on top of it does not make the problem go away. And that's not what we're doing here today. So in the event of how do you know if this is useful information or how do I know if it's not useful information? Well, here's some tricks that we can use. Can the two of you get that voice in your head right now? Should be pretty easy. Just say it to yourself. Say mm-hmm. it to yourself a few times. Say it to yourself a few times, a few times, a few times. Sarah, where's the location of this voice coming from for you? I would say it's behind my right ear. Okay. So it's behind your right ear. How mm-hmm. far behind? Um, six inches, less than a foot. So someone's pretty close to you then if, if they're saying this to you. Yes. Okay, so about a foot to six inches away, behind your right ear. Tell me about the tempo of the of the voice. It sounds very um, uh, forced and anxious. Like you need okay. to get this perfect. Ooh, forced, anxious, excellent. Um. The sound of it. You mentioned it was forced and anxious. Is it a male voice, female voice? Is it really deep? Is it high pitched? It's um it's a female voice. Okay. And it's almost kind of like a forced whisper. Like it's not Ooh. loud, but it's almost like you need to get gotcha. like come on. Yeah. Okay. Like someone's trying to let you know, but don't doesn't want anyone else around you maybe hearing what they're saying yeah, to you. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we have some location, we have some tempo, we have the tone, the sentence structure. And and say the word again. So it's you need to get this perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Greer, what's your location? Um, this feels like it's coming from the back of my throat. Okay. Perfect. Back of throat. Same questions kind of apply to you. Tempo, tone. Um, I would say it's very uh, short, um, forceful, um, like get a grip. Mm, Okay, great. And maybe even a little irritated as well. Okay. Ooh, I like that. You can hear the irritation in the voice. Yeah. Uh, male, female voice? It's my voice, but the energy from it is very masculine and very firm and very authoritarian, I would say. Okay, great. So back of the throat? Yeah. Short, forceful, irritated, your voice, but masculine undertone with it. Okay. So take this now. And what I'd like you guys to do is first, I want you to change the location. Sarah, I want you to imagine this voice now coming from the front or the other side of your head. Greer, right in front of you, above your head, to the left, anywhere but where it is now. Move the location. See if it, now you laughed already. Greer's laughing right now. Why are you laughing? Because it seems so ridiculous now when I do that. It feels weird. It feels totally weird. It's really weird. So we've only done one thing so far is change the location. The second thing I want you to do is change the tempo. Say it really slow. So in your head, I want you to say, get a (laughs) grip. And Sarah, you need to get this perfect. See if it shifts anything. 
Does it shift anything for you guys? Yeah, you can add inflection. There's like a disconnection right? from it now for me. Heard. Now we're getting somewhere. So we've changed the location, we've changed the tempo, changed the tone of it, or even the sentence structure. For those of you who who might have had like this example didn't work because there's no abbreviations, but if someone has like I'm not good enough, try saying I am not good enough. Or get a grip. You need to get this perfect. Play with it. Both of you are laughing right now because once you start to move your internal. So what we're doing right now is we're getting you to interpret the words for what they really are, not for how you remember them and how you remember feeling, hearing them. Mm -hmm. If we move them around, we're changing the entire neurology of how your brain organizes, sees it, and now has to create a new neural pathway of deciphering this code. Wait a second. It's not the same as the voice coming over here. It's coming from here now. Huh? It's the same words, but it just sounds ridiculous when you say it from over here. And this is a good way of, of, of testing. And we're not done these yet. We're only halfway through. But this is a good way of seeing, is this a real, is, is this negative self-talk real? Is this a real check engine light? Or is this a stupid old programming that sounds ridiculous when we say it a different way? Hmm. Now, the last one. So we changed the location, the tempo, the tone, or the sentence structure. The last one, this is my funnest one. I want you to go back to saying it exactly where it was before. But say it in like a Donald Duck voice or a Minions voice or just some funny, ridiculous cartoon character that you can think of and resonate with. As the ladies are doing this right now, I'm watching their faces and they're laughing. Here's what I find very interesting. Kind of like the try to open the door and open the door. This is your imagination, not mine. You can control this. When you guys first start talking and I got you to repeat those words over and over and over in your head, neither one of you were smiling. Your posture changed. Your facial expressions changed. Your brain was starting to process these words already in your head just because you were thinking about them. And now when you get to say them in your head, you're laughing and you're smiling because the words don't hold the same weight anymore. We've changed your perspective. We've changed your conditioning, your neurology with these words to see if they hold true. And they didn't. Changing the location, the tempo, the tone, and the voice is one of the simplest things human beings can do. Acknowledge it, thank it, and go, oh, you're just a worker inside my head that hasn't gotten any training in about 30 or 40 years, depending on how old you are. I'm sorry. Let's update you for a second. Sorry, what were you saying to me again? Get a grip? Okay, let's just see if this, this makes sense. Say it over here. Say it this way. Say it that way. Okay, yeah, we don't need this anymore. We're good. <laughs> warn me about something else when you need to warn me now. <laughs> and what's funny is when you use the voice, it tends to come back and you'll start. It, I, I, people tell me they, they started giggling. I was at work and I just started giggling. Why? Stupid minion voice in my head now kept coming up when I started, when my old pattern of negative self-talk came up. The words were still there, but now it's a minion and I can't stop laughing. I thought it was hilarious. And it's an easy way for you to disassociate and just cut ties with the old programming and see if it's still useful or not. Now, two other points. If that doesn't work or as you're doing this, I shouldn't say if that doesn't work, as you're doing this, the next step to this is I want both of you is what could you say and how could you say it that would be more powerful and resourceful for you in this situation? So Greer... 
the check engine lights coming on because you're not in a state you should be in. <laughs> that's the that that's the issue. You're yeah, not yeah. in the state you should be in. So you know what? Don't tell your brain to shut up. You start listening. Mm-hmm. It's just the wrong message you're getting. So what could you say to yourself and how could you say it that'd be more powerful and resourceful than get a grip? Hey, it's going to be okay. Okay. So how could you say it? What really do you mean by how? Well, it's going to be okay. It's okay. Be, so you mean like okay. the, 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 cadence, yeah, the intonation? Everything. The... Everything. Yeah. So it would be much kinder. Okay. Um, more supportive and almost like a gentle reminder that, uh, you know, come back to earth. The problem's not that big, mm. but less of a get a hold of yourself and more of a, hey, okay. every everything's okay. Okay. The message kind of being the same, the outcome, you're still looking for the same outcome. But now yes. when you say it in this way, you mentioned kind, supported. I can't remember the last one you just said, but kind and supportive were big ones, as opposed to the other way was very irritated, short, forceful. Mm-hmm. Which one feels more empowering for you? The second. Now, where is it coming from in relationship with your body? Where is this voice? When you imagine saying these words to yourself, say them out loud again. It's going to be okay. Okay. Where do you picture these words coming from? Uh, they come from above my head. Good. As you say those words right now, can you feel the kindness from it? Can you feel supportive by it? Can you feel the outcome you're looking for? Yes, absolutely. Ask your unconscious mind to use this instead of the old one. Just say, hey, by the way, this is the new way I want to respond to these situations. If you want to use the old voice, go ahead. But it's got to be Donald Duck or Daffy or a minion or something else. I was thinking Roger Rabbit just to keep it. Oh, I like Roger Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what was... um, let me ask you the question. So instead of you need to get this perfect, what could you say and how could you say it that would be more powerful and resourceful? Uh, do your best or okay. a- apply yourself well. Okay. Yeah. What else comes to mind? Um, Here's an example. So let's say you have in your mind as a project and in your mind, like you, you need to get this perfect. Mm-hmm. What if you said, no, I just need to get this going. Mm. Mm-hmm. How does that feel to you? Yeah, it's good. It almost feels like a hand touching my shoulder as well, ah. like a like a nice, like soft um, gentleness to it. So if you can close your eyes and, and you know imagine that voice coming up and going, I acknowledge that, I get it. But I just need to get this going. It's going to be perfect the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that soften us a little bit? No, oh, definitely. Perfect. The last tip. So going through these quickly is acknowledge the voice, give it a name, look for its positive intention, ask whose voice it is. And if you say it's yours, ask who did I learn it from? Once you have that information, question the validity. Like, is this actually like, really, I'm not good enough? Really, I need to be perfect? Really, I need to get a grip? Question the validity. And like in Greer's situation, it might be valid, but is it valid for this moment? And if it's not, keep going on. Change location, change the tempo, change the sentence structure. So once you have that voice, figure out where it's coming from. Change it and move it around. Watching your faces doing this. I know you can on the podcast, but watching your faces go from, you know, just the feeling you had to the smiling. Just watching you change the location was very powerful. Once you're done that, then ask yourself, how could I say that'd be more powerful and resourceful? 
And the last tip, speak to yourself like you would a small child that you like, not one that's misbehaving, a small, delicate child or a pet. I had a client, a pet, like your cat or your, if Sarah, crazy cat voice, lady voice that, (laughs) you know what, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone listen to this podcast. Let me just say this outright. If I could just for one moment, get the level of love and passion. Sarah talks to the cats. If she can talk to me in that same way. Oh my God, what a world that would be. And, and it sounds weird. We have a client, um, this was probably his best technique. Out of all the things I taught him, he goes, Joe, that made the biggest difference. Every time I went and I had these negative self-talks, I imagined saying it to a small puppy or a small child because it takes away the tone. You wouldn't use the same tone. So you're just like what we just did. We start changing the tone of this. It starts to soften a little bit. Um, so to me, those are the nine best techniques. Suffering from a lot of negative self-talk, Give these a try. If you're using a lot of vocabulary in your everyday word that's not suiting you, try swapping them out, like getting gluten-free bread, get some gluten-free words, and see if they make a big difference. This was fantastic. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, thank um, you. Like so practical, so practical. And I, you know, I think a lot of people stay stuck not knowing how to change their lives or how to feel better or how to motivate themselves or um, how to show, you know, we talk on here about, you know, becoming a different version of yourself or stepping into the the best version of yourself. Like this is so practical as like a first step for anybody listening here. Um, and I know that uh, someone's going to walk away and, and be very transformed by this conversation. So thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much. And if it's just one word, someone starts changing in their day to make a bit of a difference in their day. uh, To me, that would make me very happy. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Greer. Thank you, Joe. And uh, we'll catch everyone on the next episode.